Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. All right. It's a special edition of the Blue White Breakdown, a very, very special edition. This is like uh, when you had a very, very special edition of Webster, <laughs> there was there was a moral. <laughs> no, we have a guest here because Bofflo is not here. I th- he's on vacation, I believe. So I decided to get a guest, and who better to be a guest than our old pal Joe Moorhead? Joe Moorhead live from Eugene, Oregon, where he's going to be for how long? Are you going to be out there? Ten days? Ten more days? Uh, take back off to Akron on January second. All right, and he's been named the head coach for the Akron Zips. Eugene to Akron, we've got to talk about that. Uh, but I would I would venture that the years 2016 and 2017, I don't want to like like wallow in the past, but I mean, Penn State fans will remember that. And five years ago this week, you were prepping for the Rose Bowl after what can only be described as a memorable season i think that season is going to go down it's it's the most memorable season of my sports writing career covering penn state football and i've done over 30 years i'm curious what it's been five years removed now what what do you pick out the mind always does strange things in in retrospects and and picks out certain moments what do you what do you think about when you think about that year because you guys are going a mile a minute every year and you rarely ever look back i imagine yeah, the, the the first thing I recall is, you know, leaving my alma mater to, to uh, you know, take the leap of faith and, you know, join Coach Franklin and the staff. And, you know, we'd had a ton of success at Fordham. And I think I had been extended at that point to 2023, you know, got the call from Coach Franklin uh, when the opening came about. And, you know, you know, the rest, I guess, is history. But, you know, what I remember from the the beginning of that season, unless I'm mistaken, I think we were we two and two to st- Two and two, and what, what I always what I always pick out is the Minnesota game in the third quarter. That was sort of a threshold. Uh, that moment, you think of the third quarter of the Minnesota game. It <laughs> at that point, you really didn't have the offense running. Nothing, nothing was going very well. Do you remember any moment in that game where you had doubt, or in the season when you had doubt? Because you're two and two. You're down to Minnesota. I think it was seventeen to seven in the third quarter. Yeah, we we had beaten we had beaten Kent to start, and then we had the heartbreaker uh, down at Pitt. You know, uh, which was certainly a, a great game aside from the aside from the ending, and then the the the, the loss to Michigan, which was which was bad, <laughs> and then certainly we say we were on the ropes, man. And and I remember I don't want to say cascade of booze, but there was certainly more than a smattering as we came off the uh, field in the second quarter. And, you remember uh, that, huh? You remember that? You remember the booze? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know if coaches ever really heard that kind of stuff. I thought maybe <laughs> you were in your tunnel. If, if you say you don't hear it, you're probably not telling the truth. I mean, you have ears, and, and you're, you're running off the t- you're running off the field, so you you may not want to internalize it, but you hear it. That's that's for certain. But uh, all right. So, what was going through your mind right then? 
Do you no. wipe it away? No. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think it's, it's, you know, it comes with the territory, but, but at that point, you know, you're going in the, uh, the locker room and thinking, Hey, what do we need to do to get this thing rolling and, and get some points on the board and get a win? You know, I felt like we were moving the ball. We just weren't, you know, we weren't able to, you know, turn the yards into points and, you know, we really needed that spark of that catalyst and, and that play from, from trace to, to Irv was that play. And then I remember a, a big conversion to, um, Chris Godwin on that last drive where we, where we tied it with the field goal and then they were in two man and uh trace dropped back and he ran and scrambled to get us in the field goal range. And, you know, then we kicked that thing and, and sent it into overtime. As I recall, it seemed like you started letting trace run keepers a little more in the second half. And then a lot more as the season went, went on. Is that wrong? Or that's see, that's the way my mind is doing tricks on this. Is that, is that correct? That's a hundred percent accurate. We, we, we had run them a bit more in the, uh, in the, in the Minnesota game. And then I, unless I'm mistaken, I believe Maryland was the next game. Right. And that's when we, when we said, Hey, we're going to go, you know, we're going to, we're going to have both feet in the pool with this thing and really, really start <laughs> running ability. And I think we ran for a ton of yards in that game and, and threw it pretty efficiently and effectively. But you know, that's when the, that's when the run started right there. Yeah, and were you reticent to run him maybe as much as you you wanted because of his size or what? No, I, honestly, I, th- I think it was just, you know, we were trying to figure out our identity, trying to figure out who we were as an, as an offense. And, uh, you know, I, I think as you look at Trace and his entire body of work for, you know, not much, just my two years there, but his entire time there, the guy just makes plays, you know what I mean? And whether it was by – design or improvisation in the run game or the pass game. But when, when you add the element of quarterback run to your, to your rep, repertoire as an offensive coordinator, it really, and it's cliche, it forces the defense to defend every blade, blade of grass. And you pick up a number in the run game. It helps the offensive line. It, it helps the tailbacks. And it really helps the pass game too. So, uh, you know, I guess I am and everyone else is glad we kind of made that, made that shift in, not shift in philosophy, but more of an emphasis in philosophy. Yeah, to that to that point, I mean, of course, everyone knows about Sa- Saquon Barkley, a pretty good weapon. And yet, what what is remarkable, and I don't think got enough pub, I, I kind of noticed it at the end of that season. I looked up some obscure stats on, I think, teamrankings.com was the only place that had this kind of stuff. And there, were, there was a stat for McSorley that year for yards per completion. And... He was among the historic leaders in FBS. And I still, I think he, I believe he still is in the top five. He's along names like like Jim McMahon and uh, Bryce Petty and Ty Detmer, I think are the guys right around him. He was really good at, at, at knowing how to not eject completely from the pocket, but keep his eyes downfield. Did you teach him that? Was it intrinsic or what? I think it was a little bit of both. I think uh, a quarterback has to have that feel, you know what I mean, and the ability to extend plays without, you know, maybe necessarily scrambling. And the term, you know, the trace and I always use and we use to this day is feel the rush, see the coverage, you know, and when we don't want to get your eyes down, you want to keep your eyes up field. So he had that innate ability to kind of stay calm when, when the thing may have been breaking down around him, but still keep his eyes up field. So, uh, you know, that's something I, I think you can emphasize. I think you could probably teach a little bit, but I think the quarterback has to have that. He has to have that in his DNA. Yeah, because 
it's not fun getting hit. And some guys, they, they get PTSD, especially if they get hit too often. Um, I don't know. I don't know that you can teach that. Can you at all? I mean, there's, there's bombs going off around you and you can still keep your eyes down the field. I think some guys do it a lot better than others. And I think there are guys that have the ability to withstand that constant barrage of pressure and, and uh, kind of physicality that, that comes with playing the position. And there's some guys that willed under it. And Trace, Trace was a guy that ro- rose to the occasion. Uh, you know, you're very fortunate to get, get a, get to have the ability to coach a guy like that in your career uh, who just, he just has that, he has that it factor. I don't know that there's been one play, and to, to speak about the other guy, I don't know that there's been one play in more than three decades of doing this that was more jaw-dropping than Barkley's 79-yard run in the Rose Bowl. Could you get uh, you? I can't remember if you were on the you were you were in the sideline or up on the box. Oh, I, I remember James punched James punched me after the long one to go. Yeah, out. yeah, okay. <laughs> Did you know you were seeing something special from down there? Did you have to see it uh, on video later? It, it it looked special from the field, but you didn't gain an appreciation until you saw the uh, the coach's copy. I mean, we it was a you know a tackle wrap play in. Uh, USC was a double mug operation where they would get into two, three techniques and walk the inside linebackers down. So we had a little bit of an adjustment on that play where we would just, it was a bunch of down blocks and a kickout block on the end. And I'm pretty sure the end spilled it instead of a uh, Saquon getting up inside of it. And it got out to the edge and, you know, that play was designed to go inside, wasn't it? Desi- yeah. Designed to go inside the tackle. So a bunch of down blocks, the pool yeah. was supposed to kick out the end. And we wanted it to get north south, and the thing spilled. And I'm pretty sure it was uh, Deshaun Hamilton who had a pretty good block on the on the slot. And then the safety is the first one he made miss. You know, uh, kind of guy took an inside out angle. Saquon stuck him to the outside and avoided him inside. And then it was just a, a procession of missed tackles. <laughs> I know. You, 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 I went back and I probably watched that play more times than I've watched any single play that I covered in person because there's one point in that where there's four Trojans around him in every position, two right behind him who could catch him supposedly two in front of him who could hit him. And they all miss. He makes them all miss, which is something you don't, you don't, you just don't find. I mean, it's, it's, it was an amazing run. I still get chills sometimes watching that and listening to Fowler and, and Herbie anyway. Anyways, the best specific moment uh, at Penn State, and also I guess coaches always obsess on failures, so what moments would you like to have back? The wheel route to Saquon in the Big Ten Championship game was a pretty special moment. Uh, and really, I don't want to say overlooked, but the, the first play out of the half where we threw the deep ball to Saeed, to, to make it, I think that would have made it 28-21 at that point. You know, we right. threw a, a, a post route and he caught it from the safety and scored. But certainly the the wheel route to uh, Saquon in the, in the uh, Big Ten championship game, you know, the two, the two that come to mind, because like you said, coaches obsess over failure sometimes more than we revel in, in success. It's actually two interceptions. The interception at the end of the pit game at 16. Uh, the interception uh, in the Rose Bowl game were actually the play before if you, if you go back to the film, Michael Kosicki had the kids spun uh, wide open for either an easy walk-in touchdown or at minimum a field goal, and we got a little bit of pressure on the inside. 
and Trace really didn't throw on time there. And then the next play was the, was the pick. And then really not a single play, but a series of three plays, uh, the four-minute drive at the end of the Ohio State game in uh, 17, where I believe we were still up a score, and we ended up going three and out. And, uh, you know, those are those are three that really kind of come to mind as ones you wish you could have executed and called the game a little bit better. Well, the, the, the keeper, McSorley, almost scored. And that would have put the game away if you remember the, the play I'm talking about. I mean, he needed he needed one guy to not be there, and I think he hit him at the three. You ended yeah. up kicking the field goal. You remember the play I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, it was it was there. It's yeah. just it wasn't quite there. You know, it wasn't a bad call. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cure Relief, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant. Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Now, two two productive years at Oregon, but level with us since you brought that up. Was the win in Columbus not hugely satisfying? (laughs) It Uh. had to be. I mean, it was it was cathartic in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, it exercised those demons from the 17 game a little bit, a little bit in uh, really the way the thing was playing out uh, this past year. You know, we were up and then it was almost like, oh, here we go again, because, uh, you know, Coach Day and CJ started, you know, uh, you know, making some plays and the co- comeback started occurring. And, and this time we were able to, you know, we were able to put it away on that on that last drive you know, a couple first downs, and then we punted them down in, inside the five and, you know, we were able to make the stop. So that's, as you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's an almost impossible place to win and, and against, against a phenomenal program. And that crowd was quiet by the end. Uh, you kept gashing them on the same play. It looked like you're, you kept getting on the edge for 12 and 15 yard runs for touchdowns. And it was, it was quite, it was remarkable. That was a very decorated defensive front and you made them look bad. Yeah, they, they, uh, I mean, they're a bunch of all Americans, I believe. If you look at the postseason team, a couple of the inside guys, guys, one of the backers. I mean, that's, that, that's a very, very good football team. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those days where you have a, 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 you feel like you put a pretty good plan together and the kids are confident in it. And I, I think the big thing, particularly, it, it, it is having some early success, which our kids did. And then we were able to just keep building on it. So that was, yeah, it was, uh, of the two years, that was that was that was a, a real cool a real cool win. Now, coaches, the 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 money is so crazy in coaching right now that I don't blame anybody for mobility for transience, players or coaches, because everyone's got to take care of what they got to take care of. Players got to take care of the families. Coaches have to take care of their families. But you made a move here that looks to be like you gave up quite a bit of money to get back into head coaching, something you clearly must enjoy running your own shop, Fordham, Mississippi state. Now, again, you want to do this. Why? Yeah. Um, and, and it wasn't just the money that I was making as a coordinator at Oregon, you know, for the, you know, two years prior to my, my um, dismissal of Mississippi state, I, I've had, I've had head coaching opportunities, you know what I mean? And the, the one thing that my family and I agreed upon was the next one that we took was going to meet a very specific set of criteria. And, and the first of those B 
being what was best for our family. And, um, you know, I had that, you know, health scare earlier in the year. Uh, both sets of parents are in Pittsburgh and encroaching on 80 in my uh, oldest boy places, football Grove city, which is an hour and change away from Akron. So I, I know that there were a bunch of zeros, you know, left on the table, but, um, you know, to have the opportunity to come back home, be around family and, and be at a place where we've won before and, and all the ingredients are there for success. That, that played a major role in this decision. Since you mentioned it, look, illuminate us a little bit about the health scare because it really wasn't uh, publicized that well. Yeah. I mean, I really kind of haven't talked a ton about it. I mean, I, it, there was speculation anywhere from a broken ankle to, to a heart attack. <laughs> which, which wasn't. I mean, I, I, I mean, I had a ruptured diverticulitis uh, and, uh, you know, had to go into the ER the morning of the game. And um, you're actually explain, first. Explain, explain what that is for people who might not know. Yeah, I mean, it's not, um, you know, it's a, it's a ruptured abscess essentially in your colon. Uh, and they had to, um, you know, they took me in for the CT scan, brought me back. And they say, "Hey, we got to get you into surgery." So yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty dire thing momentarily, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's acute. It was a cut from just below my breastbone, past my belly button. Uh, they removed a foot of colon, sewed the ends together, and then twenty four staples to to close it up. So uh, yeah, it was for a guy who had never spent a day in a hospital in his life. It went from, as they say, zero, zero to sixty pretty quickly. Never, never. I'd never spend a night in a hospital. Nope. How? I don't know. Good question. <laughs> All right. Uh, but but also, since you mentioned it, I'm from Ohio. I know what Akron is. It, it's my opinion that that Northeast Ohio, Western PA, and the West Virginia Panhandle should be like one state. Am I wrong there? It's, it's almost the same place, is it not? It's all interconnected. I mean, the fabric yeah. of the communities, you know, obviously – it's changed a bit with technology and, and medicine and, and all those things that are, you know, moving things forward. But at the end of the day, the, the, the heart and soul is, I mean, those are all blue collar communities that have been kind of built on, you know, this, the, the, you know, the steel industry, the, the tire industry, all those things. And, you know, there's just a certain feel to all those places. It's to me, very comforting. Now I can't even remember, were you a Steelers fan or a Browns fan? Cause you could have been either actually in that area. It's almost like the Eagles and, and, well, go 100%, ahead. Hundred percent Steelers. All right, but you knew a bunch of Browns fans, didn't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you if you go back, I mean, I'm older, I'm quite a bit older than you are, but I mean, those the Browns Steelers games were just acrimonious in the old days. They were they were crazy. They were violent, and those those cities had a lot in common with each other back at, back before. You, you even remember, I mean, they used to play the games at Pitt Stadium and Municipal Stadium. The fields were mud. The weather was horrible, like routinely. Uh, what is what is the feeling of that rivalry, and do you still watch those games? Yeah, as much as I can, I try to watch as many Steelers Steelers games as I can on, on TV. But, yeah, I mean, you just go back to the, you know, the Mike Webster's, the Rocky Blyers, the Franco Harris's, the Terry Bradshaw, the Benny Cunningham, the Lynn Swan, the John Starworth. We could do the same thing on defense, but – there weren't many, if I can recall, weren't many 49-48 shootouts. No, no. no. <laughs> there, there was a lot of a lot of yards, lots of clouds of dust and mud in there. But uh, you know, but I, I always think that you know, for the bitterness of the rivalry and how much the teams competed, I always felt like there was at the end of the day a sense of mutual respect. You know what I mean? 
except after Turkey Jones on on Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> now, come on. Correct. You can't con me. I mean, uh, you were angry then, weren't you? Weren't you? Uh, had to be. I mean, if you weren't, you were wrong. <laughs> I mean, that was that was ugly. Can you imagine what they do to Joe Jones now if he did that? Quite a hefty fine and suspension. I would He'd imagine. be gone for life. Are you kidding? What what you're taking over here is a Mac program in today's football. We now all of a sudden we got Omicron. What's what's your situation with uh, trying to run a program with all this coming down? It looks like coming down the chute is going to be like a year ago again. I mean, what what are you facing here? You're running this program now. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be interesting to see where this thing evolves in the next you know month or so. Or so. You know, so with the proliferation of the of the of the new variant, uh, you know, I went up a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, had my press conference and had a chance to meet with a bunch of people. And a lot of the kids were already home for break, so really had a, a, a an abbreviated team meeting, more of an introduction than anything. So uh, we get back on the second as a staff, and then the, the team reports on the um, the ninth and begin the semester on the tenth. So. Yeah, you must, you must have contingency plans on top of contingencies for where you what you might have to do, right? Yeah, I'm, I think it's kind of a more more of a ready fire aim situation because because it's yeah. such a fluid situation that you can prepare, and I think that's one thing that this thing has taught us over the past, I guess year year plus here is is the uh, the ability to be flexible and kind of change change your plans because it's it's something that that is moving and and evolving and mutating without without much notice. All right. Final, final thing here. And I'll let you go. Cause I know you've got plenty of prep work to do uh, for the zips. In your opinion, what are the keys to doing an effective James Franklin impersonation? And, and, and who did the best on your staff? There's gotta be, you gotta give it up at this point. It's five years later. I, I, I can't think of the best one on the staff. Uh, the, uh, Players. Who was the, the um, was it Keegan Michael Key? Yeah, but but I'm talking about players or coaches who did it behind his back and then might be caught. <laughs> I'll have to go back. It, it wasn't. No, me. no, 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 no. I need to know now. <laughs> I'm trying to rack my brain and think. You did a good one. All right, all right. Well, well. The, do you know? Do you have keys to success in doing one yourself? Because I have my own. You know. What what are the keys? Well, I think you have to to really work on your flat O's because he likes O words. Obviously, you know, the oh. oppor- the opportunity, um, the <laughs> it's it's not a good optic. Uh ask me a question. Ask me like a reporter's question. Uh, what do you, what what did you feel a about tough question. you gotta ask me a tough question. Okay. Hey, why did why did you decide to go for a two point conversion there in that situation at the end of the game? You know, Joe, I understand. Why you asked the question? I I know you got to ask that. I get it. I get it. But but uh, we thought we had a good play. Uh, we we had a good play, and uh, they made a better play. Um, I I think it's all on emphasis. And also, Joe, if 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 he wants to throw you off, what he does is just Joe. Is that a what kind of ornament is that behind you? He'll, he'll look at something and 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 notice something in your picture or something, and then and then he he, he tries to get you off the subject a little bit. I think it's a psychological technique from uh, back in college. I don't know. You you guys always seem to you like you had a fairly good 
working relationship though, right? I mean, you could joke with each other, right? At any point, did you have like, like my, my brother-in-law, Fred Jackson used to run, they, they would have big arguments over whether to play uh, uh, Tom Brady or um, who was uh, Lloyd Carr wanted, I, it was Drew Henson, Drew Henson. Lloyd Carr wanted Drew Henson. Fred wanted to play Tom Brady and they would have screaming matches, but then, and they were okay. in 20 minutes afterward, was that your relationship or it was, was it all even keel all the time? No, it was even keeled. And, and I, I think coach may have said this, or maybe I'm, you know, you know, hiring coach Diaz to run, to run it. What James said when I took over is, Hey, I'm, I'm hiring you to be the head coach of the offense. You know what I mean? Cause I think with my head coaching experience and, and the, the uh, success that we've had with the offensive system over the years that, you know, James was in on every offensive, uh, you know, staff meeting, you know, he provided his input where he thought it was, uh, you know, applicable, but there was never, I mean, in two years, there was never, a, there was never a blow up in a, you know, a lot of that probably had to do, you know, obviously things were going well and we were having, having some success, but there was never, never a moment where it really, you know, came to anything, but, you know, mutual respect. Well, some people like, just like to go at it and you don't take it personally, but, but you guys were both even keel all the time, huh? Yeah, I think we probably had similar, similar, uh, you know, similar personalities in that regard. Now uh, you'd never get along with me. We'd be screaming at each other eventually. I'm like, I'm like Bill O'Brien. That's why O'Brien and I got along. <laughs> I, know Billy, I know Billy well. Yeah, I, I get, I get, I get <laughs> at least until the end. Yeah, he he liked the, the the fact that I could he could rant to me. Okay, Joe, this has been fabulous. Uh, thanks for for coming by and. Um, uh, good luck with the zips. Uh, we, we love having you closer by than than you used to be. So so thanks a lot for doing this. Appreciate it, David. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Pen Live. <laughs> <laughs>